Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Com. You know me, of course, from DTV, from the Ocho, and right here on the 750. We have a brand new episode of the 750 available for you with myself and two-time Super Bowl champion Tony Casillas. And today, TC and I are joined by a very special guest from NFL Network and the Boys and Girl Podcast on her network, Jane Slater. That's right, Jane joined us, and we touched on everything under the Cowboys' sun. Dak, Jamal Adams, Mike McCarthy, Randy Gregory, we hit on it all, and it is a conversation that I think you are going to absolutely enjoy. So make sure uh, to subscribe to the Blog and the Boys podcast feed wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple devices, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. We are anywhere. We are everywhere. And we are here for you to enjoy, and we're going to let you enjoy this one. That's right. Jane Slater from NFL Network joins Tony Casillas and I next on the 750. We are very pleased to be joined here on the 750. You know, of course, myself, RJ Ochoa, Tony Casillas, two-time Super Bowl champion by the one, the only, the golf queen herself from NFL Network, Jane Slater. Jane, thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, let's be careful with golf queen. That's like saying that I'm as good as Tom Brady. Uh, I will say that after watching the GOAT of football play uh, golf, I actually feel like I would have a decent round with him. I think he made all of us feel better about our golf game. Totally. And I think that's the great, the beauty of that is that people are out of their element and anyone who's plays golf knows that it's totally different once you get on a tee box. I always say, you know, I'm the best player on the range, but when I get out, when it's legit and I'm on the golf course, I'm horrible. But uh, yeah, that was interesting to watch all that whole like dynamic. And I'm like you, man, they couldn't find a fairway. What I loved about it was just the authenticity of the struggle because who among us, especially when uh, some of the COVID restrictions lifted and I was able to go out there and play, you know, in my mind, I'd been watching a lot of golf videos in quarantine. And I thought, you know, I've given myself some downtime, like I'm ready to go out there. And it's, it's, you're always a better golfer in your mind. And then you go out there and you play and then you're reminded that, you know, this is in fact, I am a novice and this is a fun little hobby, but I'm never going to be able to monetize it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jane, a few months ago, you were on Good Morning Football for a whole week, right? And um, you were out in the streets of New York running routes, kind of a, a makeshift combine. Was that, you think, harder for you than the match was for Tom Brady? Great question. Um, yes, uh, because first of all, it was live. I didn't get a lot of time to warm up. I was in jeans on the street in front of a crowd in New York, which by the way, everyone just walks past you in New York and it is no big deal that you are out there literally running combine drills. Like they are so used to seeing (laughs) the absurd that it doesn't even phase them. Uh, I was not prepared for a couple of the uh, ball catching drills. Of course, Nate Burleson had a distinct edge. Uh, But I had so much fun. I'm just always the girl. My parents didn't really cultivate uh, me playing sports. They both worked a ton. And so weekends were sort of sacred for them. And so everything I ever tried, I just quit. And my parents were always sort of excited about that because that meant, well, 
we don't have to take her to this tournament or whatnot. And so I really only tried tennis and golf uh, growing up. My sister trained with Bella Caroli down at Wimberley. Like she was on her way to the Olympics. She was so good. So she was the athlete in our family. But I, it's so weird. I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm such a late bloomer in everything I've ever done. I'm sort of beginning to become a bit of an athlete. But I think it's because I put so much effort into it. Whereas I was such a quitter early on in life. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, that's the thing about golf. It's so humbling. And, you know, I play a lot. I played a lot of golf in my lifetime. And I just, it's one of those games. And, you know, and, and, and to Tom Brady's defense, he did hit that one shot and oh. hold it out for a birdie. But RJ and I were talking about it. That's, it seems like golf, you know, you play so bad. You play horrible. You're like, I'm done with this game. But that one last shot, James. RJ keeps you coming back for more. What I loved about that, well, I think, what was it? Hole seven where from mid fairway, he just like literally drilled it in the hole after uh, Chuck was, was jawing at him. What I loved about that was that to your point, it is so like that you're having the worst day ever, but then he gets so cocky after. And that's all of us after you, you're like, Oh, I'm back. You know, I just need a little time to warm up and then no, it's still not there for you. I can drive the ball pretty far. I mean, I'm consistently about 180, 200. It's the middle of the fairway that I get myself in trouble or on a par three. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to drive this. And I always go right over the green. And I'm like, yeah, I knew I should have teed off here with the, <laughs> with the nine iron or the seven. And I never do it. And it's I, sometimes I'll go out and play with friends at Lakewood. Um, I'm not rich enough to afford a country club membership. So I'm I'm always America's favorite house guest when it comes to the country clubs. But Every time I play Lakewood, that one is the most humbling one. I love playing TPC Four Seasons, but Lakewood to me is so humbling because I think it starts off par five, four, four, and then you get to a three, and it's just your day's already ruined before you've even started. I mean, I feel like the par five, you're like, am I ever going to get to the green? It's very, very frustrating for me. All right, so I got to ask you one more question related to golf. I mean, we could do this whole podcast on golf. We could talk football. You know, that would be secondary. I mean, that's the, the way we kind of roll, but – I guess, uh, what would be your dream course if you had one place that you could play golf? And I mean, I'm, I love Augusta, but I mean, what would that be? Which golf course would you like this dream about playing? And we'd be someone could say, let's go play any course in, in the world. Where would that be? I've already got it. There is a this is on my bucket list. I will legit do this at some point in my lifetime. There is a cruise and I wouldn't willingly normally get on cruises, but there is a cruise that takes you all around Scotland to every single golf course Oh, nice! along the coast. And I think that would be the most epic trip ever because no matter how bad my golf game is, at least I've got some Instagram worthy pictures. That's a great point. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> the home of golf. About golf courses. It's the best real estate in the world. You'd oh. be anywhere and you're like, dude, Hey, at least I'm on, I'm in some place I want to be. So that's pretty cool. Well, and what I love, but you know, I'm such a fan of the municipal courses Tennyson is one of my absolute favorites. The greens are terrible. Uh, I take my boom box and I literally will put my Bose speakers out there and I'll just be drilling. I mean, it's like, it's gangster, but I love that it's gritty, that people are wearing whatever they want out there. It's a cross section of people. I mean, I just feel like you go to some of these courses and it's so bougie and it's so elitist. And I love that there was some commentary even about the match where, you know, they mic these guys up. They're having a lot of fun with it. The biggest problem I think with the game of golf for so long is, it does cater to such a particular demographic and it's an aging one. And I've always said it's so much more fun to go out there with the golf carts, with the boom box, have a little bit of fun. That's why people love the Byron Nelson. They love the waste management. I mean, it's wild. 
Uh, and so I wish that golf would lean into that a little bit more, kind of like the XFL of golf, if there were, but I, I don't see it happening. But I think the match kind of showed you that you can have a little bit more fun with golf. But that for me is a muni. I agree, Jane. I think um, as younger players rise to prominence, like your Rory's and stuff like that, and, and the 30-somethings, you know, get a larger voice, it'll change. Um, okay, so I hate to ruin the oh, really, really peaceful conversation. Um, <laughs> but so you were the first one, and I know we talked about this um, at one point in the season last year. Um, you were the first one that threw out the $40 million number for Dak Prescott. And kind of got I don't want to say you got dragged on Twitter because that would imply oh, well but that would imply that you were wrong you know what I mean um but people just like had a field day with it and here we are I guess almost a year later um and it's maybe the most annoying cowboy story of the last five years what are your thoughts just at the end of May on the Dak Prescott deal and negotiations and everything in between so I actually had some conversations about this uh with some of my sources while I was trying to enjoy my uh my Memorial Day weekend uh, because the Jamal Adams, which is, I would say, jockeying for the second annoying storyline. And then I'd power rank that also with Earl Thomas uh, as it relates to the Cowboys. And I, I got some updates because I thought it was fascinating. I posted a video uh, on Friday that it was almost a year ago to the date that I was in the locker room asking Dak, all right, where are we at in these contract negotiations? He said, I'm just letting my you know, my agent handled this. We've submitted a counter proposal. I'm still new at this. I'm still learning the business side. And I, and I found that interesting because when I was asked at that time in the summer, when I did good morning football, where do you see the contracts shaking out? I was like, well, absolutely. They'll take care of Dak. He's done everything you've asked. He galvanized that locker room from four string guy to franchise guy who took you to the playoffs was so good that Tony Romo didn't even get a chance to compete for his job, which to me still is so fascinating. But then I thought Amari Cooper gets it next. Then, of course, Ezekiel Elliott, because he's two years out. It went Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, and Dak Prescott. What I've learned is, you know, that $40 million got thrown out there as sort of a, a proverbial FU uh, when the Cowboys came in a, a little bit lower back then. So I would say that their number was closer to the high 20s, lower 30s at, at that point. Was sort of, It's sort of my gauge on it. So they said, you know, we want 40. Now, was that the actual number they wanted? No, but that was their negotiating starting place so that we could get this thing somewhere to a 34, 35. It's my understanding the Cowboys are operating in that wheelhouse, depending on how you want to look at what they've proposed to them. And while they have not, I was told this five-year 175 million thing is, that's not a, that's not true. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys have not spoken to Dak Prescott since they, pl they placed the exclusive franchise tag on him, what, two months ago. So that is an erroneous number that's been thrown out there. And I and already they've disputed the Chris Sims report. You know, the five years, uh, you know, he wants the, the, the fifth years, year, 45 yeah. million. Yeah. yeah, that's that's not true. Never happened. Um, but I am getting the sense that they are getting frustrated. And while they are huge fans of Dak Prescott, always have been the way he operates both on and off the field. Todd France and the way that he's going about some of these negotiations have been incredibly frustrating and of course they've dealt with they've dealt with guys like this over the years David Cantor and and the Cowboys went back and forth to Marcus Lawrence Ron's uh, not Ron Slavin uh Rocky Arsenault went back and forth with the Ezekiel Elliott conversations but this one I it is my understanding has gotten particularly frustrating because they feel like depending on how you look at this contract they've either got him paid the highest paid at this position right now or second highest depending on what numbers you want to look at and they feel good about that contract 
because they also want to continue to build this team around him. So they don't feel like they've disrespected Dak, but they also don't feel like they're going to overpay Dak. And Dak Prescott was Todd Francis, it's my understanding, first quarterback. Joe Burrow was his second. So maybe he is trying to make a name for himself, and there is Mm. some wisdom that maybe they shouldn't be doing that right now as it relates to Dak. And then I should also point out, they didn't have the leverage of Andy Dalton in the virtual chat rooms and a guy that's a bona fide starter there before. They now have him in those virtual chat rooms, developing the chemistry, learning the offense with the players. Now, with that being said, Dak isn't resting on his laurels. David Robinson, uh, D-Rob, who uh, trains a lot of the wide receivers, posted a video of Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, and Des Bryant working out. They've been doing that for a couple of weeks. Obviously, with COVID, you don't want to put that out there. It's it's not the the greatest look. But Dak's been putting in the work. Um, And Dak is not the type of guy that I know to be greedy or a team second guy. That's not who he is. But there is some wisdom that perhaps he's leaning on a little bit too much of the guidance from his agent. And... The thought is, if they're not careful, this could hurt negotiations. So we'll see how this thing plays out. You know, I am surprised because, and you mentioned Twitter, because, you know, everyone gets criticized for what's out there, what they may say. But during this whole negotiations, it seems to me is that Dak is kind of the bad guy, the guy that's asking for too much money and not really getting much, I guess, would say empathy from any of the fans, so to speak, because they're all like, okay, well, Dak, is he worth that much in him? And they throw this $40 million out there. It's like, where did that come from? And, and it seems to me that's a consensus that, you know, he, he needs to be paid without a doubt. But the whole consensus out there is that, Dak, you're not worth the money. In all actuality, he's just doing it from a player's perspective. He's trying to get as much as he can. And whether it's four years or five years, the bottom line is that right now, it's not looking very good for him because the picture they're painting of these so-called fan negotiations. But no one had a problem with Demarcus Lawrence or Ezekiel Elliott getting overpaid, right? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's the nature of the position. Uh, But to your point, I think when you put the star on your helmet, we saw this with Tony Romo. I mean, the guy would go play golf. We'd kill him for it. Uh, You know, he'd date a celebrity. We'd kill him for it. You know, there is, I've even gotten killed for things that I've done just covering the Cowboys. And as it was explained to me by people in position of power, you have different rules that you operate under by virtue of the team that you cover. And once that was said to me, that made a whole lot more sense because there are a lot more. If I don't cover the Saints, the Titans, no one cares. When I cover the Cowboys, there is a there is a different level of scrutiny that comes with it. And I, that's, it doesn't even make sense to compare the two, but I just, I sort of have an empathy for Dak because I'm looking at, you know, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski throwing in Florida, no one cares. But when Dak does it, or you had Ryan Tannehill and um, his tight end, uh, Jonu Smith, that were working out, no one cared. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah. Dak working out at the beginning of this thing in a facility, that just drove people mad. And so I I think everyone gets it. You know, I think Dak gets what comes with putting the star on. Dak is hip to these things. Dak is one of the smartest guys that I've ever covered, gotten to know, uh, the way that he's carried himself. But I do think that when you're negotiating a contract for a quarterback, no matter who you are, but especially when you've got the star on your helmet, there is a level of scrutiny that's going to just be unfair. I mean, I was around friends this weekend that are Cowboy fans, and they just wanted to shred him. What has he done? And and my argument to them was he's done more than most quarterbacks for the Cowboys in recent years. And now that you've got a locker room that is so – that you won't find one guy that will disparage Dak Prescott. Not one. Now, 
I don't know if it was always fair, but Tony Romo got disparaged a lot by teammates. I think because he had a wife and a child, you know, a child at that point, then he had children. And then you just naturally gravitate in the locker room towards those people. And then you're hanging out with the head coach. And it just, the look doesn't feel inclusive. Whereas Dak takes all these guys on, you know, the trips to go work out like they did last summer for July 4th and goes fishing with them. And that's just who he is. That's personally, and this, this is just me talking, that's the type of guy I'd want to be my franchise quarterback. And the Cowboys want that. But I think their argument is we can't overpay him. You know, and we're not disrespecting. If you look at the offer they've got on the table, the argument, at least that's been made to me, again, we have them either as the highest paid or the second highest paid, depending on what numbers you want to look at. And so they don't feel like they're disrespecting him, but they're like, we're not going to overpay him either. And I think what's hurting Dak too right now is this COVID crisis. People are losing their jobs, 35 million unemployed. Great point. And yeah. unfortunately for Dak, you know, here we are jockeying over a couple of million a year. And it unfortunately, the optics are terrible. And you kind of wish that his agent recognized that too, because I do believe that the narrative that's getting put out there with Dak is unfortunate because just knowing him, that's not who he is. And that's not what he's thinking, but he's trusting the guy that he's paying to go get him the contract. Any any quarterback that's up for negotiations would likely be doing. Uh, Jane, by the way, Jane and Bobby Bell do a fantastic podcast, the Boys and Girl podcast on the Herd Podcast Network. They had Tony on recently. I've been on there with them. And so make sure you subscribe and listen to them. Uh, always good for some good times. So I do think also that kind of laid the foundation at the Super Bowl for the idea that he wasn't going to report to OTAs without a new deal. And if if you want to play the what has been lost in COVID game, He's kind of, I hate to call it leverage, but he's lost that opportunity to, to flex that muscle at the very least. Um, and, and obviously this is a game in a lot of senses. What did you make about Stephen Jones's comments to Mike Florio about the salary cap percentage thing? About how, because that, it, it has seemed, and I know you've reported and Charles Robinson from Yahoo's reported so many people that this has been a matter of contract length, four or five years. And Stephen bringing that up seemed to kind of, pick at a scab that had already healed you know it felt like the the amount the the annual average value had already sort of been something people agreed on and that that kind of brought that back to life here's just my just in the last couple of years that i've covered this team based on some of the contracts that have come up stephen jones has been very masterful in his negotiating of contracts with the press we saw it again with david Cantor. i mean with david Cantor and demarcus lawrence and with rocky arsenault and ezekiel elliott the difference was at, at the end, both of the agents ended up picking up the phone and calling Stephen. And as David Cantor described it to me, he had, a come to, he had a come to Jesus meeting where they all like Demarcus Lawrence got on the phone with Stephen. They were able to talk. The cowboy Jerry and Stephen Jones were in New York, and at the eleventh hour, picked up the phone and called Rocky. Or Rocky called them. They called him back. They were able to get that deal done. It I think it was done at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, Todd Archer and I reported this because mm -hmm. we both didn't go to sleep that night because I knew. There's no way they're going to let this thing not happen because they felt like they were so close that year and it was, you know, a last-ditch effort for their boy Jason. Where I think this thing is going to get interesting is I don't see Todd France picking up the phone. Mm. Todd, in his just negotiations and some of the stuff that I've that I've that I've dealt with and even some of the stuff that I haven't reported. Todd doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to pick up the phone. The only person that's going to likely tell him to pick up the phone is Dak. Mm. Now, that could very well do what Ezekiel Elliott did, which was when he got back from Cabo, he immediately FaceTimed his friends, and he that's why Rocky took him away. Rocky took him to Cabo because he knew 
how much Zeke loved being a part of that locker room and how much if Zeke was around the guys, he might have taken a little bit more of a friendly sure. deal. Um, Dak is a pretty resilient person. And I think Todd is just saying, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. And I don't know if I don't. So now I think you've got two guys. So you got the yeah. Cowboys and you got this side. And I don't know if we're going to find a middle ground. I just, I've seen it time and time again. I could see the Cowboys breaking and doing it. I mean, how many, I was literally told Todd Gurley doesn't deserve Todd Gurley money. And then they gave Zeke Todd Gurley money. So that's why I sort of called their bluff on this thing the whole time, because I got to think you've got the third easiest schedule in the league. You've got CeeDee Lamb on this roster. You've got Blake Jarwood now locked up. You've got the offensive line, the upgraded defensive line. Why wouldn't you go for it this year? And if that, if that piece that you need is Dak, just do it. Yeah, just I do mean, it. And, we're fi- and we're fighting over four versus five years. You know, like. Yeah, especially the team that pays sort of quarter. Like, yeah. So I think for a lot of people, it's like, uh, okay, well, we're going to hold out over this. So I, I think you can honestly argue both sides going, what are we doing here? Uh, but yeah, for us covering it, it's maddening. I, I don't feel like my off season is going to start until this thing gets done. And I don't see it getting done anytime soon. Hey, so real quick about the, the whole Dak Prescott and the contract and everything. And you mentioned Andy Dalton. Had the Cowboys not signed Andy Dalton, would this – would there be more of a sense of urgency on, on the Cowboys side? I mean, or is it even a factor? Because to me, I don't think it's a factor. I think Dak ultimately is going to get paid. I don't know, July 15th, you know, the whole the franchise tag is coming up. But do you really think that the Cowboys and his side, Dak's side, thinks that this is a, a threat to him? What I know is just by him being in the virtual chat rooms, there's at least been discussions about Andy. Now, again, you have to be careful where your sourcing is coming from, who's saying what, what's the motivation, right? So I'm always careful with like where that stuff comes from, right? But I do think there's value having a guy in the meeting rooms that's going through this new offense, that's gelling with the new offensive staff, and you've got another guy that's not there. I did think it spoke a lot for Mike McCarthy when he refused to answer my question whether Dak was in the virtual (laughs) chat rooms. He was giving him some cover and he was playing good cop, bad cop, right? Like if he's in the virtual chat rooms, you just say he's in the virtual chat rooms. But he made a point to say he's been in communication with the coaches. Let me show you the Zoom screen of all the people that are part of the meeting. (laughs) Right, right. It's like, I mean, okay, cool. Um, So I appreciated the fact that you've got good cop, bad cop, and you got Mike McCarthy making it a point to want to have a good relationship with Dak. I also know that Dak is a guy that he believes is a championship caliber quarterback and a guy that he wants on his roster. And we've seen Mike McCarthy get a lot of the things that he's wanted this offseason. So I, I think it's hard to say. I mean, and, and the other thing is we don't have a ton of access to these guys right now really to ask them, okay, how's virtual chats been going with Andy Dalton? But I do think because of if, – if the coronavirus hadn't happened, Andy Dalton wouldn't have fall, fallen to the Cowboys and wanted to stick around here. Uh, but I think when a guy like Andy Dalton calls and you have the possibility of only paying him $3 million and then possibly seven based on how much he plays, two things happen here. Of course you want a guy like that on your roster. You saw what the Saints did with Teddy Bridgewater and how important that was when Drew Brees was out for, what, six games? Uh, so you've got a guy that's a bona fide starter. Mike McCarthy also told us ahead of the draft that he wanted to upgrade that position, whether that be through the draft, which they did with Ben DiNucci, or whether that be just to have a guy there to give you some trade value. Okay, well, you certainly got that with a guy like Andy Dalton on your roster. But if this thing does get contentious with Dak, he doesn't sign it by July 15th, you mean you only have to pay this guy $7 million? What? So I, I 
you could sure put a lot of pieces around your quarterback. Uh, I just think that Andy Dalton's been in the league a really long time. And that's not a disrespect of Andy Dalton. I covered him when he played uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck's first game back, and Dalton won that game. And he's just – people really respect him. He's got so much poise in the pocket. Uh, I think there's a lot of value you get with him. I feel like he's a more seasoned Mark Sanchez for Dak in that room. I think you could have a hell of an offense if you could just get this Dak thing done. Uh, but I think he's a really good breaking case of emergency guy if you have to. I think, Jane, you've you've sort of hinted or, or talked about optics a lot. And at the very least, the Andy Dalton thing created a lot of conversation. And, and that goes a long way with a lot of people, different speculations and whatnot. Um, we tweeted and posted on our Instagram story that you were going to be coming on and asked for questions. And a lot of people, obviously last week, Alden Smith was reinstated. Uh, just wanted to know if you had anything to offer us on the status of Randy Gregory. Nothing yet on Randy Gregory. Uh, I do know that he filed for reinstatement a little bit after Alden, right. so you know that might be the case. And when I when I followed up on that a few weeks ago, it was you know obviously the league's got a lot of things on their hands, um, and Randy Gregory's reinstatement and Alden Smith's for that matter weren't obviously top of mind. They were getting through mm -hmm. scheduled release and whether they're going to open up these facilities, etc. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm a big fan of Randy Gregory's. Uh, I don't think he'll mind if I share this, but. You know, it's so many people have talked about his anxiety and he has this um, this trigger switch. Whereas when things are going really good for him, for whatever reason, Randy feels the need to implode. And I ran into him out and about with his girl. And I was like, hey, man, like, I'm really proud of you. You've done an awesome job this year. He's like, man, people just want me to fail. I'm like, no, they don't. Like, you're having a hell of a year. Like, where does that even come from? Um, and then it was, I think, a month or month and a half later is when things didn't mm -hmm. work out for him. But he is such a different case than David Irving. And I know a lot of people right. like to lump those two together. And David Irving certainly likes to take that position of, I need medical marijuana. It's like, no, you don't. Um, and I'm not a doctor, but I'm just, I'm telling you that like my interactions with David versus Randy, two completely different examples. Um, and so I'm, I, I cheer for Randy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ron Marinelli. I know Cowboy fans, he fell out of favor with them. But the one thing I loved about, Rod, and maybe I'm guilty of this too. I really believe in second chances for people, sometimes third and fourth. Um, and I know that he put in so much work the last time I mean, he had a job and he was working. And I think you've got to be careful in the league. I think a lot of times too, there's a lot of people that say they're your support system and they aren't. And so I do think that he has a little bit of a better support system this time around. So let's hope that it it, it happens for him. You mentioned Alden Smith, and and look, I'm I'm all about guys having second, third, fourth chances. I mean, that, that's that's been known in the National Football League, you know. And seeing him, he passes the eye test. But I mean, realistically, what do you think Alden Smith can provide for this team? I mean, he's I mean, his last in 2015, he had 19 and a half sacks, but where he is at now, he hadn't played in almost five, five years. years. Yeah. Uh, I think that there is obviously, you know, I think sometimes it takes people believing in you. And Mike McCarthy, before he was ever the head coach believed in him enough to go out to California and check him out at Jay Glazer's, Jay, Jay Glazer's Unbreakable Performance. Um, people that I've talked to have said that he looks quicker, um, that he is, you know, that he is really impressing them with, with his work ethic. And then going back to that support system, his agent is personally, and I, I know Ron Slavin pretty well, Ron is taking personal accountability for Alden Smith because Jay Glazer called Ron and said, hey, I want you to give this guy a look. And so Ron's like, Ron's one of those guys that I wouldn't want to disappoint. Uh, he's kind of a huge smart ass. 
but also a guy that's pretty, pretty direct. And so he has really spoken highly of Alden's comeback. He says he's been sober since July and that he's got a really good support system here for him in Dallas. So we'll see. I mean, to your point, you don't know what you're going to get when somebody hasn't played a sport or, you know, picked up something they haven't done in five years. You know, sometimes it's muscle memory, but there is sort of an acclimation uh, period. And so, but I do think the familiarity of having Jim Tomsula, who is with uh, within the 49ers, and then obviously having Mike McCarthy is big. And then I don't think a lot of people know why some of the things went wrong for Alden. And maybe one day he'll get into that, but I don't want to get into too much of it. But there was there was an interesting backstory there with the 49ers that led to some of his angst and and him going the way that he did. Uh, and I know a lot of people think I make a lot of excuses for a lot of players, but I, you know, I think sometimes we report 10% of what we actually know. Um, and some of the stuff that that's been revealed to me is, is very interesting. And like I said, maybe one day he'll reveal all of that, but I think having all of those circumstances removed and being in the situation he is in in Dallas, I think he might be able to perhaps uh, have a better chance to come back than he might have somewhere else. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jane, you talked about uh, Mike McCarthy's sort of way back um, interaction with Alden Smith at the Unbreakable Gym. And you mentioned a little while ago, Mike McCarthy got sort of the players he wanted. And everybody knows the story about Ben DiNucci now and talking to the Omni and things like that. Um, There is this perception, and and you know it better than anybody, about Jason Garrett was just a puppet and and all sorts of stuff. What do you make... um, four or five months into the Mike McCarthy regime about the things that have happened? Do they reflect, um, you know, the decisions or the wants of a guy who had a year to plan it like Mike McCarthy seemingly did? Well, I joke that he owes uh, Tom Pelissero uh, a, a commission <laughs> for putting out there, you know, his, you know, his, the I, project. I felt like it, was like a, it was like a Rocky comeback video of like Mike McCarthy, <laughs> like I'm working my way back out to coaching. Yeah. I love Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think, first of all, like he's like Bill Belichick with like with an edge and with like a with like a beer, yeah. Right, like he's like a dude that looks like you want to go out and have a beer with, you know, that kind of dude. But he's also like I have a lot of these guy friends, and I'm sure you do. It's like he's always busting your chops, and I kind of feel like that's him in a press conference. Yeah, and I'm sort of I I mean I kind of love it. I've joked. I'm like. I, I don't feel like I've been like forced to be on my A game in a while. And like, I'm always a little bit more nervous or on edge. I'm like, here we go. Here's the approach. <laughs> and then when he'll kind of zing you back, it's like, here we go again. Let's volley. Um, so I think that that's good for the players. Uh, you know, I had heard so many stories about players going over Jason Garrett's head or, you know, talking to their coach the way I would never envision talking to my boss ever 
Uh, it just seemed like there was a lack of respect. Now, you could say that about a, just a younger generation in general, but uh, I, I feel like there that there was a lack of respect for Jason at times. And specifically, when we saw that Tavon Austin thing happening mm -hmm. last year, which is when I really saw a little bit of a, a divide in the locker room. Uh, I saw it the year before with all the wide receivers uh, and even some of the coaching staff feeling like they never went to the wide receivers and they were relying too heavily on the run game. And then those guys started voicing their frustrations and those guys were no longer in Dallas. Um, I like Jason. I always have. It's just, as he once said to me, we just operate differently. <laughs> so, Okay, Jason, we do perhaps. Um, but I do believe that these guys, and I think it's with any, any job or in a classroom, you get a new coach or you get a new boss, you're sort of on your P's and Q's. Mm -hmm. And I think it had been the same message for so long that they really did need a different one. Um, and, and I think the reason why McCarthy is getting so much seemingly to those of us on the outside is he's got skins on the wall. You're going to respect any guy that has the Lombardi, especially a guy that did it in AT&T Stadium. Um, and, I, and it's just so bizarre to me that when you, even in the introductory press conference, it is as if he morphed into a Jones brother. It really is. Um, and if you guys don't believe me, go and watch the videos because every time I'm sitting there, I just, I find it entertaining. So I just, I feel like he really fits in. Um, I feel like there's a respect level there. We sort of saw this even when I was covering the team and uh, back in 2003, 2004, Bill Parcells. Mm -hmm. There was a deference to, to them too, but that stuff can wear out in Dallas pretty quick too. I mean, we saw that with Jimmy Johnson. We saw that with Bill. And I, I think a lot of that too was just Bill being worn out. Bill Bill didn't want to, he wanted to go take care of his horses and move back up to upstate New York. Um, but I do believe that for right now, uh, the timing, what he's bringing to the organization, um, some of the players that he's picked, and just luck. I mean, I've joked that it's right. like, it was Murphy's Law with the Cowboys for so long. Anything that could go wrong seemingly did. And now it seems like everything – I mean, who would have thought CeeDee Lamb and Andy Dalton would be guys – and that you'd get Alden Smith after five years reinstated. It's just crazy to me. And then you get the league's third easiest schedule. I mean, come on. And it's, it's you know, the, the writing's on the wall. You know, it's, it's everything's kind of falling in place. And – you know, the thing I, Mike McCarthy is always look at him. He looks like his shirt's too tight. It looks like he needs to, you know, wear, because he's, he's kind of got a big head. But I just hope that he, the transition to the Cowboys is is as successful as there. All right, so you mentioned Mike McCarthy, and he's got his, to me, he looks like he's got his, you know, he's got his work, his hands all over uh, making change, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, for me to look at what they need to, where they need to get better at, um, you know, they go out and they get they make some change they, in free agency. They get McCoy. They get uh, Deontay DePole. I mean, they uh, ha Clinton Dix. They made some changes. So what do we make? To me, it seems like that this is really an area where they thought, hey, look, we're not going to overhaul it, to, so to speak, but we're going to make a lot of different changes on that side of the ball. It's so funny you said ha-ha Clinton Dix. I've forgotten about him. <laughs> you know, they've, they've been – I'm just glad I got his he's, name he's right. He's got like 20 names. Yeah. I've uh... – I, I don't know about about you guys, but it seems like just this offseason, they've made really calculated smart moves to upgrade this roster. I mean, there were a lot of guys that they would pick up when the season started or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the trade deadline. And you're like, okay. And so you're kind of, they didn't get camp in or, you know, they're supposed to fill a void that you're already, you know, down the line with the season. I mean, they made some really calculated moves. And I've got to think a lot of guys are coming to Dallas now because of Mike McCarthy. 
Uh, I have to wonder if guys avoided Dallas for a while because of Jason Garrett. I don't want to put it all on Jason Garrett, mm -hmm. but I just feel like, you know, I had a couple of guys without saying too many names. I had a couple of free agents reach out to me and be like, Hey, can you just let somebody know that I'm interested? Can you float my number to somebody? I mean, like players that I was really shocked wanted to come to Dallas all of a sudden. And I believe that that had a lot to do with the pieces that they finally have begun to put together with this team, but also having a guy like Mike McCarthy uh, as the head coach. Jane, and I'm not Don trying Fula to interrupt you, but it, it seems to me that Pete, the players in the past have come to Dallas because of Jerry Jones and not because, and not to say that I'm interested that you say that, but it, it, from people that I talk to, it's more like the star and it's Jerry because Jerry's this uncle Jerry that makes you feel good and like be a, the, be a, a cowboy I thought it was interesting that you said it was because of Jason Garrett. Because what I've always heard is because of just the, just the how comfortable they feel with the owner. Well, my argument was I don't. I feel like some guys haven't come to Dallas because okay. of okay. Jason Garrett. Right. Um, but I do believe for a long time it was. Of course, you walk into the star in Frisco and the way you're treated and the opulence that comes with it. I mean, I cover other teams in the league, and no disrespect to the Saints or the Titans or I've, the Ravens facility is pretty impressive. If you go up there, it's like a country club. Um, Redskins. I mean, Orlando Skandrick famously wasn't a fan of the Redskins because he was so used to his whole career being in Dallas. I mean, it is one of the most impressive training facilities and no organizations. Doubt. They give you all the tools to succeed. But I think with all that being said, if you're not winning and you're sort of swimming in mediocrity and mediocrity for Dallas is not going deep in the playoffs and it's not winning a championship, I think that could be very frustrating. And, and I always use this comparison uh, you know, you being an OU guy, a, a, you know, a girl that went to Texas, I feel like a lot of times the reason why Texas hasn't gotten some of the key recruits is they haven't had a pattern of winning in recent years. If you go to Austin, it's one of the coolest cities you'll ever live in. Uh, the facilities are top of the line. You have an indoor practice bubble. You've got Matthew McConaughey, who's the minister of culture. That's not enough for a lot of, of players. I think a lot of players choose to go to these other, you know, these other programs because they now have a, a history of winning or at least they're in it every year and I think the Cowboys that's been a problem for them in, in recent years is the inconsistency and also the predictability of their offenses and defenses which RJ I know you've talked to a lot of players I've talked to a lot of players here in this offseason that's a very real knock on this team uh, you know, I think Jane, if, if I compared Jason Garrett's Cowboys to like a school to go off that. And, um, and I think this is an intended pun. They'd be like Boise state, you know what I mean? Like not this flashy, sexy thing, but you know, you go there, you fall in love with the campus, you know what I mean? Cause Jason Garrett could certainly win people over. And obviously a lot of players fought for him. Um, I know you said, you know, you weren't going to name any names, but an example that jumped to the top of my head is Gerald McCoy has said since joining the Cowboys that he almost joined last year. Uh, and he decided that the money wasn't right, et cetera. And maybe some of it is just Gerald's personal journey. He had to go to Carolina, experience that, whatever, to, to feel disconnected from Tampa Bay. But that kind of feels like an example of, you know, he's talked about he knew Mike McCarthy and things like that. And so I, I think that, you know, the Clapper stuff is really lame, but that perception is out there or was out there. And, you know, it's hard to get over that exterior, you know, presentation to, to get up to go even to play for the Cowboys. I agree with that. Um you know, and like I said, it's unfortunate because if you get to know Jason Garrett sort of away from that mm -hmm. podium, he is different. Um, he's got a great personality. In fact, story time with Jason was always my favorite time. Uh, go get yourself like a picture of lemonades. And, you know, he'd always stop himself short of giving you anything too juicy. 
but he would even just sit down with myself, Michael Irvin, and Rhett Lewis at training camp. And those are some of my fondest memories of Jason because he was just like his guard was down and he was this hilarious, engaging guy. And I even had one player tell me, you don't know how hard he drives us in practice. Like the argument really was that practices were actually harder than games, that that's how much he pushed them. It's just a really hard perception for a lot of us to buy into because that's not what we saw. Uh, and then when you hear about some of the disrespect that went with Jason Garrett, and I'm talking his locker room to him, that was frustrating. But I do know the guys absolutely believed in him. They were fighting for him last year, but I do think he began to lose them there in the end. And I did get a sense of while there was shock that this new uh, coaching staff came in, these are guys that have done a lot. I mean, I look at the Mike Nolans, the Jim Tom Sulas, the, uh, mm -hmm. the Mike McCarthy's, and it's just there's an inherent respect level with some of the best in the game coming to coach you. Well, I guess we need to get to it. I mean, it seems like seemingly we always have something like this, like uh, that's out there, and that's Jamal Adams, yeah. this whole Thank like God. scenario. And it was old <laughs> Thomas Jr. And RJ was like, well, let's sell mortgage the franchise to go out and get him. And I'm like, dude, we don't need Earl Thomas you know, junior, but what they're talking about, if this is even, you know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like fake news. All right. I, I mean, I have to use that, but I mean, it's there's just, nothing. That's else. what we call agent news, agent news, whatever it is. It's just, it's ridiculous. And especially if they're talking about a first and a third round draft, I'm like, come on, man. I mean, they, really? They had the opportunity to do that two years ago when I was reporting that in the draft, they had the, the exact same option. What people don't realize is that you that you give away a first and a third, but then you have to sign them to a new contract. And how does that now look optic-wise mm -hmm. if they sign Jamal exactly. Adams to a new contract and they find the money and then they gave away a first and a third, but they can't find money for Dak Prescott, their quarterback? Help me. I just I want to walk Cowboy fans through that very rational logic. I know it's exciting. It's sexy. We don't have sports. We need headlines. But it is so Earl Thomas smokescreen. I can't even... I did joke that if I literally had a dollar for every Earl Thomas rumor I chased down or harassed people on, <laughs> I would literally already be retired in the British Virgin Islands. That's my end game, guys. Think with the end in mind. Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Uh, this Jamal Adams thing didn't happen. Now, if he gets released and they're able to work out a contract that's friendly this year and then maybe move the money down the line in coming years, I could 1,000% see that happening. But these talks have simply not happened slash been meaningful enough for us to even be talking about um i was literally told fake news so <laughs> i i just think I it's so I comical don't how, i don't know how to explain this i have to reframe myself because i you know i got a tendency to just you know i have an unfiltered mouth when it comes on the twitter that some of these people actually think that you know as you just mentioned there's a great point that but you got to worry about getting your franchise quarterback signed and think about all the other people that you have on the front of the team and then stuff like this. I just think it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's good stuff we need to talk about because there's nothing else really to talk about. Unfortunately, no, with that right being now. said, Tony, Jamal Adams, I, I told this story uh, a while back, Jamal Adams. I've met him once. He loves Dallas. He's here a lot. Obviously he's from the Dallas Fort Worth area. Clay Mack, his skills coach, has talked about how much he wants this to happen. He, he was on y'all's podcast, Clay Mack. Right. He want, he's known Jamal Adams since his time at school. He's the type of guy that if he goes out, he goes home early. He's the type of guy you want on your roster. As a matter of fact, I was at Nick and Sam's. It was uh, the Conor McGregor fight. I was able to uh, 
use my bourgeoisie as Bobby Belt calls it and get myself a table. But he was like, we've got Jamal Adams coming in. And so we, you know, we need you to leave after like two hours. So Jamal can sit there. We're still wrapping up. Jamal walks in. I'm like, Hey, like if you want, we'll wrap this up. He's like, no, nah, it's cool girl. And literally sat right in front of us, just like completely unassuming good dude. And so I always think first impressions are everything. That was my impression of Jamal Adams and not to mention just his skill set and his love of the team. That's it. I feel like he's got Des Bryant love for the Cowboys, right? Like that's the type of guy you want on your roster. It's just, unfortunately, as Mike Garofolo reported last week, the Jets, no matter how broken down this thing has gotten, they plan to pay him. It's just hard to know what's in the coffer right now when you don't know what the football season is going to look like. Now the league is saying the football season's going on. Uh, you know, we're preparing as if we do for hurricanes, tornadoes, 9-11, you name it. So you've got to be prepared for these things to happen. But I think there's a little bit of an uncertainty for everyone right now uh, moving forward. And so that's why he just hasn't been top of mind. No different than why Des Bryant hasn't gotten any workouts with anybody. Well, there's we don't know what our roster is going to look like. We don't know when our facilities can open. I know that he's at least talked to one other team that remains interested in him and wants to see him when they can see him live and in person. But there are things that are typically happening around this time of the year that aren't happening because of the pandemic. But this Jamal Adams thing um, happening right now, no, nothing's changed. Yeah, and I it's don't not know why it's not going to happen. Again. His agent is doing a masterful job, as all agents should, uh, making it sound like, because anytime you put Cowboys in a conversation with anything, your number goes up. I mean, we saw that with Sean Payton for years. <laughs> so it's actually a really great strategy to say, hey, the Cowboys are interested. But it's just not true right now. Really? Hey, real quick, I, you, you mentioned Des Bryant, and I know you've covered, you know, the Cowboys and, you know, no Des. Um, what are his odds of playing again? If you had to, is it, would you had to put a number on it? Because he, it, he'd be out two years, realistically, after this year uh, and had the injury. What, what, are you, what are the odds of him coming back and, and playing football again? I mean, Alden Smith, the odds are against him. And he's been gone for <laughs> five point. years and yeah. he's back. Uh, I, here's what I would say. I, I know what I respect about Des is Des has been picking up the phone and talking to coaches himself. Um, he has an agent, but he is so hyper-motivated that he's picking up the phone. And coaches I've talked to that have talked to Des always walk away with a warm and fuzzy feeling. In other words, big fan of Des. I've seen his videos. It seems like he's really grinding. Now, when he put the videos out last year, he was doing himself a disservice because everyone I talked to was like, tell your boy Des to quit posting videos. He looks awful. What I love about Des is his authenticity. Sort of what you see is what you get with him. He stayed consistent. And I think that's the biggest thing that that is to me been encouraging. And I know where he was at from a mental health perspective. And so I'm not going to wet blanket his dreams. And if you look back on just his life growing up in Lufkin and his family dynamic and then his Oklahoma State days and getting himself to Dallas. This is a guy that has done the improbable several times before. So Absolutely. I'm not going to wet blanket the possibility of him coming back. And like I said, there is at least one other team that has bona fide had a conversation with Des. The same as I reported two years ago and everyone laughed at me when I said there are at least two other teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Ravens, that are very interested in Des. I couldn't say the names at the time. He turned them down. And he's been honest and candid about that, that he was just not in the mental health space. He's there now. Um, and I think as hard as it was to see CeeDee Lamb get assigned number 88, that final dagger mm. was almost like, 
I had a boyfriend once I was with for three years, love of my life, thought we were getting married. And I kept holding on to the possibility that we were mm-hmm. going to make this happen. And finally, he said, I will always care about you. I just don't love you anymore. And it set me free. And again, that's a terrible analogy. I was trying to like find the empathy and find the connection with these players. That's what it felt like for me for Des was the Cowboys were like, we're always going to love you, Des. We're just not in love with you anymore. But there could very well be another suitor for him out there. Um, I think the situation needs to be a disciplinarian type coach. Um, If he had gone to the Saints now, I think it would have been great for him because they've got Michael Thomas, they've got Emmanuel Sanders. He would have been a true number three, number four. And I think that's what he needs to be right now. He needs to be a red zone threat. He's not a guy. And Des, I've seen him work out with younger guys like Corey Coleman and um, little Jordan Humphrey. And I've seen him defer to those guys. And he loves to, he, he feeds off the energy of just being around other football players. That's what Des has missed more than anything. It's just being part of a locker room. And so I could see given the right fit that he could play. But to answer your question, long-winded, Tony, I would assign if he had asked me two years ago, I would have said 30% and he ended up with the saints. Um, if you'd asked me now, I'd say 50%. I think he could find himself possibly on a training camp roster and we'll hmm. see what happens. Yeah. But I think he's been very consistent. I think he's got guys like Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott that are vouching for him right now that are work. And he's been very smart about that. And working out with them so that these guys that are highly respected in the league are saying, hey, we're working out with them. Here's what we're seeing. And it's no longer like my golf swing videos where you get the best of. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's amazing, too. You can you don't have to send your any of your tape in anymore to any of the personnel directors at, at NFL teams or any team because you just post it on social media and you can see it. But I thought it was interesting. It's like the Cowboys just look at me. Yeah, we can be friends, but. Other than that, we're not going to be dated anymore. So, uh, hey, so let me ask you this real quick. Um, what? How do you you looking at crystal ball? I mean, how do you see this whole pandemic? I mean, where do you see us opening weekend? Is are we going to move forward? I mean, training camp. I mean, what is your gut feeling? And what have you you know people you've talked to? What do you think the the future lies for this season? You know, I think it's so hard to predict that, Tony. And I, they've honestly cautioned us against that just because it has been such a fluid situation. I mean, I remember sitting here in this office doing free agency and being like, God, I feel like we're being really tone deaf right now. You know, we're talking about guys like Dak turning down X mm-hmm. amount of dollars and taking the franchise tag. And we got people losing their jobs and people losing their lives. And then, you know, I go down to Austin this weekend to see friends from World Day. And it was as if the pandemic hasn't happened. I mean, it, you know, restaurants are you know, at 60% capacity and, and some places more, uh, people are back out in the lake. And so this, I think things have opened up a lot quicker than perhaps some of us thought. I mean, we were told possibly June, July. And so as much as we looked at the league as moving forward a little too quick, maybe they might be primed to be in the right position. I think it all depends on, is there going to be a second wave? What's that going to look like for the season? But I think, uh, I think this summer is going to be very telling June, July, August, I will be interested to see if the Cowboys are in Oxnard. I don't don't think they've announced anything like that yet, but as much as I know Jerry realizes the benefit of that, you know, Mike McCarthy's trip out there didn't happen. He was going to walk Oxnard. You know, I think Cowboy fans would love to see training camp stay here uh, in Dallas Frisco. They certainly have the the great, a great setup for it. Uh, And I think keeping players close to home makes a lot of sense, especially that way you're not losing a lot of like the travel time and stuff that comes with it. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, honestly, 
I've, I've talked to so many people. Nobody has a clear indicator of how this looks. I mean, I saw Joe Buck talking about, you know, perhaps broadcasting crews have a little bit more insight. Him saying they were talking about piping and fan audio. And mm. we've seen the way Taiwanese baseball's done it with, you know, no fans and the cheerleaders with clubs and masks. We've seen virtual tryouts for, you know, the cheerleading squads. I just think there's still a lot of misinformation out there. And again, going back to the match, we're all coming full circle. Just seeing golf fire back up uh, in a small capacity of what that could look like, I think is encouraging. Um, we're talking now about baseball returning in Arizona. And now we're talking about possibly basketball going to Orlando. I think the league's going to look and see how all that looks. So we'll see. Jane, last one for you. Uh, I think we all think that the DAC deal gets done, even if it's on July 15th. Um, so if that's the most predictable thing to happen for the Cowboys over the course of the next 60 days, approximately, what's the second most predictable? Oh, these hypotheticals are always my least favorite games. That's how um, I roll. Eight and eight. God, can you believe? Like, Jerry just... <laughs> oh, Twitter would, Twitter would implode. I mean, Jerry, like, gives away Dez. He gives away Tony. He gets you a new coach. You get the third easiest schedule, and then they go eight oh, and eight. Like, Jerry could, not, Jerry could not handle that. Um, great question. What if the Giants beat the Cowboys twice? Oh, my gosh. And, and, the, and the home opener would be incredible. Can you incredible. imagine? Daniel Jones. And their offense puts up, like, 50 points. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine? I can I, see it. God, we've I seen that see too many times, so yeah. it doesn't surprise anyone. That's the problem. I would love, in that hypothetical, Garrett would need to sign right next to Eli in, in the visitor's locker room. Can you like, imagine? Oh, my gosh. Um, that would the be house that Jason built. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the and then they blow up the offense. Jason Garrett's a you know, high, hot, iconic you know, offense. That would be uh, that would be I a bad night for more for cowboy fans. I cannot even imagine. But yeah, I hate hypotheticals. That's why I don't. I, I can't gamble. But it's why I don't gamble. Because uh, I just don't like giving my money away on things I can't. I mean, I don't know what roster is going to look like. I don't sure. know what the injuries are going to look like. So we always like pick your favorite team in the division this year. I'm like, oh my god, these. Can we just take a break from sports for a little bit and talk once we actually like have games and stuff? That's just so funny. I mean, Vegas doesn't even have a, we don't have any you know a sports book. I mean, think about that. I mean, we I mean, no one's there's a lot of things going into this season we're not going to have. You can't even you know right now there's not even a betting line. I guess they're somewhere. It's so funny what people are betting on right now though. I was talking to one of my guy friends. I'm like, so what do you? Because like you know, I, obviously I know a couple of degenerates out there, and I'm like, so what do you guys bet on these days? They're talking about like computer, like video game type things. And I, I just like, what, like what a waste of money. Like if you guys want to go waste your money, go to Amazon like I've done. And at least you get something in the mail. Like it gives me a moment of joy. I saw, um, it was like some video in New Hampshire and some dudes were like at the top of a hill and they were gambling on the color of the next car that would drive by. Um, so some people are, are missing things um, a lot. Uh, but Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Of course, you can follow Jane on Twitter at Slater NFL. She's always got something. She's always um, responding to the trolls. Jane, uh, Jane will snipe them uh fairly quickly uh on the boys and girl podcast and uh and yeah so jane thanks uh thanks again enjoy uh enjoy your golf game whenever the next one is yeah jane you got an open invitation to go play golf at cowboys if you want to play so just hit i would me up. love that we'll, we'll go play all in seriously Absolutely. you might get a text from me very soon here. least least we could do least you i guys could do the best you guys are the best thanks for having <laughs> thanks, me thanks jane appreciate Bye. it 
Thank you.